0: There's a girl over there with the dark hair and the groovy boobs. You really turn her on, if you're interested. Well, I ain't dead. Her friend Valerie says she's hot for my body. I told her I was gay, and you know what she said? She'd straighten me out. That's what she said.
1: Welcome back to the Blood and Black Run podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSploitation.com and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? Oh, we're doing all right. Um, we are back with an episode that should have been done in February. Um, we meant to do it. Um, we, we, and I think we have in the past too. I think we've, we've uh, celebrated Black History Month in the past and we forgot. And that's partially my fault. Actually, it's probably all my fault. I got the calendar wrong quite a bit. So, um, it's why we didn't really do anything for Black History Month last year, last month. So, um, my bad. Sorry about that. So, to rectify that, we're going to do a black exploitation movie in March. Can you dig it? Sexual. Can you dig it? Um, if Wait, that doesn't. That's, that's the Warriors. That's yeah. the exploitation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe this one. How about we, uh, Give a maybe a little tidbit of information, and maybe they people can guess what it is uh, without looking at the title. Of course, um, he wears turtlenecks and prowls around the streets of NYC, particularly Harlem. He's chestnuts, <laughs> yeah. Eating chestnuts, of cold course. Winter days, <laughs> of course. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to get a nice steaming pile of nuts when you're out on the street? Sounds like a great time, and not only that, but I do love. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, what are we talking about? Who are we talking about? Talk about shaft. Talk about shaft. And you know what? Just for that, just for that, here we go. Using our new soundboard. Amazing! Amazing work with the the uh, vocal effects of. Uh, I wish I soundtrack. Could,
0: you know, do that wah-wah for real because it's awesome. It's you know, it's nice and legendary.
1: It really is. It is a legendary, uh, um, soundtrack. Really, you know, Isaac Hayes uh, really setting the tone for black exploitation, and this movie is one of the earlier films in the black exploitation subgenre. I think it's number three. Um, it, it's hard not to discuss how important. It was to the black exploitation subgenre. It it had inspired a lot. It it was really important um, in terms of uh, setting up the black hero, and it went on to do very well with awards and recognition. And I believe it is now in part of something like the Academy Awards uh, film history or something like that. Whatever historical society for film. So say it's in the Library of Congress. That's what I was looking for. History. The, the history. Library of Congress. Yeah, Christy, the National <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It sure is. It's uh you no, know, it's definitely recognized as one of those movies that really set up the subgenre. And uh we'll talk about what that means for black exploitation and where where it started, where it went, um in a little bit. But I know that this was not your first time seeing Shaft, right? This was uh you've seen it once before.
0: Yeah, I've only I've only
1: seen Shaft once before. I've seen the remake like a billion times. And I've not seen the remake and then we when we say remake too, there's also the 2019 movie, Shaft. That's a sequel. That's a sequel. Yeah, it's a it's, it's it does one of those things that our sequels know and love so well right now, which is to <laughs> take the same name of the goddamn movie that you're making a sequel for and just be well, like, "Nah, yeah, who needs numbers?" It, well, as I say, Samuel, I gonna, Well, the only reason I've seen
0: Shaft a billion times the remake which I Always saw in, like, bits and pieces. And I don't think I ever really sat down and, like, outside of, like, maybe twice, like, watch it in a full sitting. Because they used to play it on FX fucking, like, all the time. Like, you know, DVD, like, you know, you know, DVD in a movie. And, like, where you're watching it. And they're like, hey, just so you know, if you have X-Men, check out these cool, like, DVD features. It's on the DVD. Like, you know, they, you know, like, here's, like, the part where Halle Berry's like, I like being Storm. It's so much fun. <laughs> like, and the shaft was on there all the fucking time. But, um, the original 1971 version, though, uh, only seen once. So it's not like it ever made TV, uh, when we were growing up. I saw it during college when I was, you know, watching, you know, kind of not deep diving into blaxploitation, but because of some of the classes I was taking and stuff, you know, kind of you know it was one of the films that you know I did bother to sit down and watch one night remember, I uh, like remember liking it
1: <laughs> yeah i i've never seen this one this is uh one of those wax patient movies that i've just missed out on and uh i don't know i know why i know why why what cuz you're too busy
0: watching either Cleopatra Jones or coffee cuz you're all about
1: Pam Greer more like foxy brown or coffee yeah, I caught those. Those were like probably my first uh excursions into Black Exploitation. And then from there I was hooked on Mammaries. <laughs> I was thinking, why, those why isn't every <laughs> why isn't every Black Exploitation movie like coffee? <laughs> Missing two very important things. <clears throat> With Shaft, um, you know, I still remember
0: that when uh, sorry to interrupt, but I still remember we were at the Bob Dylan and Wilco concert at uh rama in like twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. It SPAC, the one girl be- hippie girl behind us wearing the coffee shirt, and like, Oh look at that. Isn't that nice? It's pretty cool, right? The one that was, you know, dancing rhythmically with the music that <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can't really dance to. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's it's always cool to see uh black exploitation uh fans out and about. It is a uh, you know it's not a, a subgenre that is super popular with most film goers you know it's not like somebody a lot of people are cl- clamoring to see another black exploitation movie but uh, for those that enjoy the the grindhouse uh, cult film aesthetic black Exploitation's is where it's at it's a really fun genre uh, especially when you start to get into uh, the social commentary that's at play in a black exploitation film and um, conversely sometimes the use you know the the direction of uh white directors on black exploitation movies which is really an interesting um historical study in itself you know of how sometimes <clears throat> movies like the, the you know black exploitation movies were co-opted by white directors to make these sorts of grindhouse movies because they were more re- recognized um and now i said none no more better thinking than
0: the bond franchise getting into the shit with live and let die roger
1: moore's first film it's you know mm-hmm. a nice black exploitation film and and chef doesn't suffer from that um uh, it does have a black director gordon parks um it does come from a uh a, a novel uh, a series of novels really by ernest tidyman um written by white guys written by- <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh you know but it doesn't suffer as much from uh white uh interaction in this movie because it definitely definitely feels like it comes from black voices for the most part and we'll talk about how um this movie has really kind of what what it sets in tone for the black exploitation genre as well as how we feel about the movie but before we get into that let's talk about the 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 beer that we have on the show today cuz this one is also a um Beer that we've been wanting to try for quite a while and just said, for whatever reason never got around to, to having it. Um, potentially because, and I'll I'll state the name of it right away I am not a huge fan of Yangling, America's oldest bird. I know. Um, it's disappointing, but I just never, never really have been a fan of Yangling for whatever reason. I was in college. Uh, College, the beer was either Labatt Blue or Yingling. I don't know. For whatever, for reason, for me, it just never, <laughs> never was one that I really cared about, and well, you probably never got it out in Massachusetts. You fucking We didn't. Bastard. No, we didn't have it too often. It's not like anybody was, um, like, bringing this to our apartments or anything like that. It was. It was definitely one that we didn't go out of our way to get. You know, our big beer drinking. At that time was Rolling Rock. Um,
0: that oh, you know what? That's what I was say. That's the third beer in the trifecta for me from college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be Labat Blue, Yiggling, and Rolling Rock. I and right. I was say the last time I've had Rolling Rock was like ten years ago, and I saw a thirty pack of it like the other day, and
1: I was like, I was tempted, half tempted, just to drink. Water. So I'm like, it's gonna be water. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, Yingling was not a pick for us, and I can see it now because I'm just not a, a huge fan of the the standalone beer. Um, I, we've had a couple of different ones of their offshoots that they've made. Uh, I think, what 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 was the other one that we had that was... uh On the we had a, We had a pale ale, right? Or oh. A, it was an IPA?
0: I remember, I think, I don't know if we did it for the podcast, they did like an IPA. hmm We did their Oktoberfest, which is... Uh, I remember being absolutely abysmal. Yeah. Um, didn't enjoy that one. Well, I mean, I've always, you know, I'm not so big on them now. Like, you know, kind of stay away from them mm. the past couple of years. Every now and then I'll, I'll buy, like, a Tallboy, tradi- you know, regular, the England traditional. And I'll in- kind of enjoy it, but it's not anything like like you, like, I feel like, you know, in the great market of macro loggers, it's not anything that, you know, knocks my socks to where I'm like, I gotta, you know, have this as a
1: standby. Yeah.
0: Uh, we did, oh, I think we did their Golden Pilsner too when that first came out.
1: Yep, that could be. That does sound familiar.
0: And I don't remember it being anything really noteworthy. And I've had the black and tan before a long time ago when you that used to be something you'd find quite often around cuz it's kind of like look it's craft beer-y, you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh they had that like mango tall boy of like malt liquor whatever the fuck it was a couple of years ago remember that mm, vaguely but i never had it and, and that was awful i don't think it was malt uh, liquor but it had like the taste of it but uh, i never yeah it.
1: i'm sure it was <laughs> not liking it but
0: you know, I mean, I, I was kind of curious to try this because it's it's a uh, you know Hershey sponsored, even though I hate, I don't like Hershey's chocolate at all. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, a lot of people like this beer. You know, I've, uh, I've heard a lot of in.
1: good things about this beer.
0: It's been out for a couple, you know, a couple of years now. Like as yep. it, like a seasonal rotational, and it's like sold out in our local area. You know, quite a bit, and so I finally. When in about, you know, the beer store today, I was kind of like,
1: we'll give this a go. (laughs) Give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, it is, like I said, it's one that I have definitely heard multiple people say is a surprisingly good beer. Um, You know, because when you think about yingling, you don't really think about them having um, excellent uh, different styles of beer. People either talk about their, you know, their normal beer. They're, they're tried and true or the black and tan, but they don't really talk about many other yingling beers. Um, so for me, I wasn't like extremely excited to try the yingling Hershey's Porter, but I was curious about it because I've heard so many people say good things and I've got to agree with them. I think that they did a pretty good job with, uh, with doing this chocolate style Porter. It's a surprising, um, surprisingly good option for people who want porters and maybe are not interested in getting like a ridiculously overpriced stout or Porter, uh, they want to stick with tried and true, uh, brewery that they know. I think the Hershey's chocolate Porter is a really good option for them because it is surprisingly tasty. Very, very, uh, um, yummy. I would say it has a, (laughs) it has a, uh, a nice chocolate note to it. Um, the the Hershey's chocolate. I you know, I don't know. Would you say that this has a particularly Hershey's esque flavor to it, like specifically Hershey's chocolate? A little, like more, like but like more like the dark chocolate, though, mm. which is good
0: <clears throat> because for her I, like like I said, like for me at least, I'm not like the biggest like candy fan to begin like chocolate fan to begin you know, or like candy fan, mm. yeah. Uh, cause, especially like milk chocolate, cause it's just really overly sweet, and I kinda really have to be in the mood for it, mm-hmm. and Hershey's milk chocolate's always kind of made me like, ugh, but I do like the dark chocolate, and this does, as I take a nice sip, has like a nice dark cocoa, dark chocolate bitterness to it, but then at the end, kinda evens out, and does get into like a milky sweetness at the end, like you're getting a milk, so it's kinda like you're going from a like- you're eating a candy bar and half of it's like the beginning of it's dark
1: chocolate that eases you into a nice sweet milk chocolate. Oh, that would be interesting, right? Like a half dark chocolate, <laughs> half regular chocolate bar. Yeah. You're like start off strong and work your way into Yeah, and then like- you Nice, like- warm.
0: And it is warming. It is like, you know, this beer, you know, it's not heavy. It's easy drinking. You know, it's a- a light, I think a pretty damn good like dessert beer, but it does give me like a nice warm feeling when drinking it, kind of like as if I was drinking like a heavy, uh, like pastry stout. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it a lot. You know, um, it's been God since college actually since I have probably had Yingling's regular porter, um, and I remember that being a very incredibly kind of, like, mid porter, um. But this is really good. It's, you know, it's if you're looking for like a nice, you know, wintry fall dessert beer that's, you know, nice and easy to drink and you want to be able to have like something that's a little sweet too. I mean, I think this is really good. I think it does the job really well. Um, Porters, I mean, it's a style that, you know, I've had, but I don't have, like, enough of Because, I mean, let's face it There's not a lot of people making, you know A variety of quarters these days Um Which would be nice if they did but that's besides what it, It's like, It's really good And I, I think Whether you like Gingly or not I would say, give it a shot Try it out Um, because you'll be missing out If you, you know, just say, oh, it's eating, like Can't be any good
1: yeah, I mean, that's, unfortunately, that's how I had kind of been before, is, you know, I was thinking, eh, it's probably not going to be that good, so I, I think I'll skip it. Um, but honestly, I'm quite pleased with what this is and what it does, and I, uh, I would probably get it again, to be honest with you. I think it's, you know, very pleasant, uh, nice, chocolatey notes to it. Um, it does the porter style pretty well. So if you can find it, I mean, I'm sure you can find it, but I guess a- apparently. Does it, it have national distribution or no? I think it does. Um, from what I've seen, yes. It, it, I know that this one was one that apparently had been kind of selling out of uh, when it was coming out because they were, you know, they did it in a smaller batch than they normally would with Yingling beers. Um, but I, I think it's probably getting a little bit easier to find now. So. If you do have the ability to to get it, um, I would say give it a shot. You know, don't just go by your normal understanding of what Yingling does, or that you know, maybe even the they, you've had their their different styles.
0: Say they're not nationwide. They actually just
1: recently expanded out to Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma. Oh wow, that's uh, surprising. I thought they were. I thought they were like pretty much all around. No, you're right. It is surprising. I think they got like a pretty big
0: distribution, like like probably like all of like the East Coast and stuff. But you would think like that they would. Twenty-one states, hmm. four years ago, so it's probably like half the half the
1: union now. Yeah, I was I was thinking that it was bigger, but you know what. I guess they're not as big as I thought they were.
0: Well it's the same thing when we found out, like what Michigan beer do we get here? Founders. It's not it's not even the biggest Michi- Yep. It probably <laughs> you think like with all the crap we get and what the hell do we uh brewery do we do from Michigan that like Oh, that's the biggest. Didn't know that, never would've guessed it. Yeah. Oh, um Who makes Dragon's milk again?
1: Uh New Holland. New Holland. I think yeah. they're in Michigan,
0: yeah. I would never have guessed that they were the biggest.
1: No. oh no. Beer World's crazy place. I don't know. All right, let's talk about shafts. Um actually, you know what? <clears throat> I gotta start doing transitions now as we as we uh let's try this one. We gotta go back to having, you know, a nice ad halfway through. I know. Um it would be like I I would like to do um, more soundboard clips and stuff like that. It's nice that we have this now. Um, I think we'll we'll start to throw some more back in there. Do you remember we used Pro- to I was say the problem is you're
0: getting corrupted by it? You're just gonna be throwing it in every second you can. You mean, just
1: like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like that. Just, just like, throw it in there. Uh, we got it. We're like, <laughs> oh,
0: you know what that? You know. <laughs> You know what that drum roll is like? That's like a Vic Berger, like
1: yeah, kind of. That one I went on a lot longer than I thought it was going to. I thought it was just going to be like you know, like and then you know, end. But no, yeah, it went on for no. like a good four seconds there. Um,
0: there's you adding the
1: extra roll? Mm. Uh, it's over. I'm like, nope. <laughs> so let's talk about Shaft here. Um, I do like Can that get- the film does not really make any Shaft puns, as in like you know. The, the uh, window. Dude, it doesn't really get into that. It's just a, little, a little bit eyebrow than that, of course. Um, the film poster does, though, because uh, the the catchphrase says, the mob wanted Harlem back. They got Shaft up to here. <laughs> it's not really Shaft. a good catchphrase. I don't really think that, it, that works very no, well.
0: Not only that, it's not a good catchphrase, but Shaft. Shaft is his name. Shaft
1: is that's game. also not that good. I and know.
0: Then, <laughs> and then and then he's wearing... it's supposed to be him swinging through the room on his Tarzan <laughs> rope
1: and wearing a black, like, he like, doesn't wear know, that leather black pants. leather either. He wears a brown leather jacket <laughs> in this one, and not even leather pants. He's
0: he the boy's wearing polyester through and through. Should have been him in his turtleneck with like a nice bottle of gin. They took,
1: they took liberties <laughs> with the uh.
0: Had to, had to, they had to, you know, uh, man it up a bit, because you know, otherwise, you know, you'd be like Shaft. He's a, he's a friend of the proletariat. Shut your mouth. No, he's not.
1: He's on in Village. So the one, I mean, the one thing that I think that the film poster does get right, though, it kind of talks about what he's doing. Shaft is it? Shaft is a, um, he's like he's a private eye, and. He's a pee What's that? He's a yeah. I'm a detective. dick. He's a pri- shaft is a dick. Um he's a private detective in uh New York City, uh Harlem area. And he gets hired by this um uh, basically the, you know this crime boss, this criminal, um Bumpy, Bumpy. which again, I love the names. I love the names in this movie. Uh Bumpy bumps you off. That should be the the catchphrase for Bumpy. <laughs> um he gets hired by Bumpy. And you know, Bumpy. At first, they kind of have a run-in where you know, basically, one of Bumpy's men goes out the window. Defenestration. Throw that right. Mm-hmm. In. Um, and that's a, that's a good yeah, word. It's 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 a word where it's like was one purpose. Someone somewhere in history was like, that guy just went out the window. We need a word for that.
0: Well, actually, I'm glad you. <laughs> Well, you said that. There's actually historical events called the defenestrations of Prague.
1: And that's where it comes from? I imagine that's probably where the- They were like, there were from, just so it. many men r- flying out windows. We need a term for it. Defenestration. <laughs> you know, I've heard Russia has that problem now. It's, a, it's an epidemic, really. Apparently, uh, many of Putin's uh, allies and enemies are being just defenestrated getting... for a bit. Just scrolling out. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just the unfortunate accidents that keep happening to people around there. But um yeah, this bumpy comes to um to Shaft and Shaft, you know, one of the interesting things about Shaft in the movie is that Shaft as a character is not part of the criminal criminal enterprise. And a lot of black exploitation movies have a main character that somewhat is part of the criminal enterprise. Um, and they may not be, obviously they're not doing, sometimes they're not doing it for just the spree of doing a, you know, a crime, but they are part of the criminal enterprise for societal construct reasons or things like that. But Shaft is not, he's a private detective and he is a very, very stereotypical hero figure in this movie. Um, at the same time, like he's not always a great guy, but he is a stereotypical hero figure that you would not mistake in this movie for being like a bad you know or b- being somewhat of a bad guy so having moral um quandaries or anything like that he is very much a above the law guy for the most part you know obviously he kind of stretches it at times but he's not in the criminal enterprise at all so bumpy comes to him he's like you know what i need your help man um somebody's got my my daughter what's her name marcy i think She's yeah. really not much of a character. It's just like it's like uh she's she's basically a woman in a refrigerator type thing. Like it's got my daughter. You got to go and save her. And Shap's job is to figure out who the fuck has her for one thing cause Bumpy has no idea, and then get her back. And there's a really kind of an interesting um dynamic between the two of them because obviously they work on two different sides of the law. And yet, you know, there's sort of like a mutual respect between them that you can kind of see. Obviously, Shaft doesn't really find Bumpy's profession to be that respectful. And I found it interesting when they were doing that interview between each other. And Bumpy kind of breaks down and says, you got to get my daughter back. I mean, you got, got to find her because I got all the money in the world, but it doesn't really matter if I don't have my daughter. And after he leaves, Shaft is kind of like, that fake motherfucker.
0: Well, because he breaks out his hanky and, you know, his pat in his eyes. Like, I'll do anything for my daughter. Please. I know. And then he's like, because he's Shaft right. hey, doesn't fucking cry. I know. Cry. And that's the thing. Even, even if it's his daughter, like if it's his own daughter, he'd be like, good fucker.
1: I'll get her back. It's definitely an interesting movie because for all of its merits of showing a black hero, a very strong lead figure, um, it also has a lot of toxic max- masculinity in it misogyny. Oh, yeah, very much so. And it does often read like this is a a man's story about how a man is such a man could do manly things and save people and also gets to just do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Cuz Shaft really it's he's he's like uh, the man's man and he's also a, a woman's man and you know he can pretty much do whatever he wants and still have sex with the women. That's pretty much what this film makes known. Because he has, you know, he has his woman on the side there that he normally visits. I think her name is Ellie. Um, and you'll notice that I don't really know her name because she's not very important to the movie because most women aren't important to this movie.
0: Was to, to say? Her name is Ellie Moore. But I thought at first, like, you'd think, like, she's a wife because she's got, I think, a ring on her finger. And then, too, when, like, uh, when... Buford, ben comes over, he's napping and they're yelling. She's like, Marvin's sleeping. So mm-hmm. it's like, a kid. Oh, is that their like, he you know, is that mm-hmm. child? Like, you know.
1: No, she's just mm-hmm. addicted to shaft. Who's not? Who who is not addicted to shaft in this movie? Um I find it like, I mean, it's he, so he's got her on the side and she's always like, I love you, shaft. And he's like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I'll be over in a little while. Cause there's that one, you know. <laughs> Uh, Meetup that no, we have. First, really, Ellie, which is she's she's
0: coming home with the groceries in hand, and he's laying like naked, I'm like, mm-hmm. so close. Well, yeah. and she's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like,
1: "Waiting." Yeah, you. that's what I was talking about. That's what I was gonna, getting at. There is he. He just literally strips down. He's just like <laughs> waiting for. his like whenever it's it's pertinent for him to be there, he'll be there, and they'll have sex. But other than that, it's just like I don't really think about you. I don't really, you know, I don't really care about what you're doing. I'll just be there whenever I need some sex, and then later on, I think there's a scene where he meets with uh, with, like one of the detective guys, and he's like, "They're like, where were you, Shaft?" He's like, "I got laid." Get laid. <laughs> Get laid. I know. Uh, it, it, so he's not necessarily a great uh, role model figure in certain sense, um, but he does do a very. It's, I mean. Richard Roundtree is really good at Shaft. He does a great job of really matching the, the masculine energy that this film is exuding at every turn. You know, he just a giant brick shit house. Yep. He uh, has a has a great perfect mustache.
0: You know, he's going to the barber to get that perfect.
1: Absolutely. Turn.
0: Goes to a fucking she, boot yep, shiner. Get get his shoe shine. Jesus Christ. He's he's
1: that's so that's, that's a business that we need brought back into the 21st. Century. Yeah, I mean my boots are pretty dirty. We I need, need a shoe shine for sure. Need need a nice boot black. Get the kids out there early, have that hustle. Get your shine box ready. He's a very suave man and uh again, and this is two movies in a row now. I am really feeling like I need to get a turtleneck. No. I you need don't. to get a turtleneck. No. No, they don't. Look at no, how you know dapper. You know who Shaft looks you know in a turtleneck? Who, you know who never wore a turtleneck? I Johnson. don't think that's true, to be honest with you. I think he did wear a turtleneck. I think he wears a turtleneck in a Nightmare on Elm Street, if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken. But I can, I can definitely picture John Saxon in a turtleneck. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm just going to do a search. I'm going to say a Nightmare on Elm Street turtleneck. But it didn't come up because it came up with uh Freddy's turtleneck. So um It's the, tur- the turtleneck that they have him in is barely a He turtleneck. does though. Really. Oh, he wears a turtleneck and enter the dragon, I believe. Is that what he's wearing it in? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, see I do I knew But that's nearly a- too. Not only that, um this Entertainment Weekly used that shot. In his obituary, they were like, look how damn John Saxon looks in a turtleneck. We <laughs> <laughs> were like, immortalize this man with a turtleneck on it would
0: not <laughs> But it's not like super turtlenecky though. Like, yeah. John Saxon, I mean, like, it's like, you know, I mean, still, like, I could never wear that. That's just suffocating. I don't understand it. No wonder why, when you watch a movie from the 70s, and you're like, man, why is everybody sweating profusely? Yeah. Because they're all wearing fucking these big, There's- heavy polyester turtlenecks that are, like, strangling them. Like, uh, where's, like, the scene of, like, uh, John's
1: shaft, like, at the neck, like, pulling it? Yeah. A- yeah, little Itchy one today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I feel like I would be the same way. There is a lot of sweating in Shaft. Uh, everybody's kind of sweating profusely in this movie, but um, I don't know if I'd blame the turtleneck on that. But, um, so... Sick,
0: hideous, hideous choice. I just, what? What? I mean, he makes, I mean, he pulls it off, but I mean, it, he looks fucking ridiculous though, so walking around
1: in basically a leisure suit and a fucking turtleneck-like. I like it. I'm out. I'm going to do it. And it, like I said, <laughs> the last movie too, Almost Human, Henry Silva's wearing a turtleneck. His was super. That was, you can tell it was Italian cause it's Italian
0: it's <laughs> way over the top. It, yeah. Un- un- unnecessary.
1: <laughs> so, what do you think about the the plot setup in this one? So, you, you know, obviously, we talked about how Bumpy goes to Shaft, says, "Hey, get my daughter back," and later on, we find out, oh, looks like the mafia is kind of, you know, making turns in New York City, um, and they're kind of there's kind of this war coming to the uh, the blacks because the mafia is poking around and they really want part of Bumpy's game. And what do you think about that?
0: It's a fine enough premise. I like the fact that, I mean, uh, they kind of uh, had their cake and eat it too with the premise like, well, we want to have a hero. People look, you know, especially their, this is during Nixon, the Law and Order candidate, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to bring Law and Order. So you got, like, you know, your vigilante films coming out at this time and your dirty hearings mm-hmm. and such. Uh, you know. So people love cops. People room for the cops. But if you're African American,
1: you know, you're not really going uh, to the cops. Gonna, yeah.
0: But how can we split the difference? He's a cop, but he's right. not a cop. What do you mean? He's a private. He, he's 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 an outside force. He's a cop, but he's an he's, outside force. He can play by. He can
1: literally play by. He's toeing in the line and. I think that's yeah. you know that's really kind of where they were going for, it. and where we get the sto- the social commentary about a black person who is not is is embroiled in the basically the man's game, right? He's he's part police officer, but at the same time, he has his foot in what they call Whitey's trough. But at the same time, he can he doesn't have to go by those rules. He he makes his own rules and in this case, he decides to side with, um, the, you know, the criminals for the most part to help them out in this particular cause, because he knows that they're not going to get any help from the police. And that's kind of where you get that idea of the black element in the city is kind of, uh, outside the normal laws and, um, helpfulness of the police, right? Like, cause no one really cares about what they're doing per se, or what's happening with them, they really only care about: is there like a fucking turf war coming to New York City in Harlem? Which, I say, which you know, the whole idea kind
0: of of like why the mafia had power is because you know, during the early days, coming over from Italy and well, mainly you know Sicily, coming over, these Italian neighborhoods didn't have any protection or representation that they could go to, and the mafia filled that role as being you know protectors you know right and you know right and wrongs in the neighborhood so
1: it's kind of the same idea here and i think we see routinely too that especially in maybe not so much in this movie but in other movies you know the mafia kind of did work hand in hand with the police at times uh and we don't really see that as much with like bumpy's crew they really just want to take down that that enterprise and um the the film has like a a particular detective character that shaft keeps going to and he's kind of like his friend in the force but um for the most part the cops are pretty much useless in this movie they really don't have uh much interaction with shaft and they don't really help out uh and so that kind of shows again like The blacks are on their own here. And so instead of, you know, Shaft could easily just say he's going to walk away. He's not going to help a criminal, but in this case, he knows he has to, or else, you know, the shit is going to go down and he's going to be so somewhat responsible for what happens. So he helps out bumpy. And at the end of the movie, we do see all of these, this thing come together. You know, they're all helping each other out because who else is there to help? Uh, no one, you know, the, the cops certainly aren't there to help. Um, the only the only thing well, that Shaft does is he gives him a call and says, "Hey, everything's all set." <laughs> yeah, I did. Care of it. Um, and the
0: film does too. Unlike a lot of uh, black exploitation, it does have like a black power movement, like a Black Panther <laughs> undertone, it to does, it. yeah, and 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 character, but they're shown to be inept, and you know, usually like you know, and like uh. When we did last year, uh, the spooker sat by the door. You know, you know, one of the main points of the film is supposed to be this, you know, black nationalism, black identity, culture. You know, being the way forward to fight against you know the oppression that's taking part in their neighborhoods. Here, if Ben Buford and his you know gang are you know, they're put to look inept and stupid, and you know, not you- Effective and doing what the, you know needs to be done. You know they're doing more harm than not more harm, but they're they're more harm than what you know help.
1: Well, yeah, not only that, but like the the first time Chef goes to meet with Ben, he's like, "How'd you find me? I'm like you run your mouth, and you fucking don't <laughs> have anybody posted at the back door." You know, you just they, they just show how bad they really are at doing what they do. Um. So with the social. Suffer-
0: which is, which is how you kind of tell this film's kind of like a compromise, you know, splitting the difference, you know, it's not going forward full bore, hey, you know, Malcolm X, you know, Nation of Islam, let's fight on my brother, you know, and kill yeah. Whitey, it's more like, all right, you know, we can have, like, our, you know, black superheroes, but at the same time,
1: we're the turtlenecks of the white man and move up and, and drink espresso. Yeah, do you do you think that that is part of the appeal at the time of Shaft? Because it did do fairly well at that time as well. Uh, but it, like you said, it wasn't a time where vigilante movies were becoming uh, very popular and of, of course vigilante movies generally dominated by white men. Do you think that the appeal of Shaft was really, you know, especially for white uh film goers it was that this guy is pretty similar to our white compatriots except um there's it like this is you know just based on black people in the, in the city instead of white people was that was that an i actual? think
0: i think well either for maybe younger white audiences and then obviously you know black audiences mm-hmm. too i mean because again like i said like the whole like idea of like the vigilante films and stuff like were coming out like during this time period like during nixon and when Nixon was running in 68 after, you know, all the issues that were going on with the civil rights movement and the you know, Black Power movement, and the Black Panther movement, all these things at home, he was running as a law and order candidate. You know, this is where the whole silent majority comes from, that idea of like, you know, you have all the, this fucking riffraff on TV, but the common, you know, white guy is sick and tired of this bullshit and wants things to go back to normal. And that's where you get like all these vigilante films from, and you know, rogue cops and detectives and stuff, because you know, they're tired of the bullshit. They want to bring law and order because the country is just falling to hell. You know, it's kind of like you know how every time a Democrat gets elected to the presidency, all of a sudden, no matter what, the next night it's on Fox or show Detroit burning. Like, see, this is what happens. You need law and order, so. Like I said, this film kind of splits the difference because again, Shaft is, you know, he's playing both side, you know, both sides. You know, he's, I mean, it's not like explicitly being shown, but like you know, he is, you know, part of like the white world, the middle class world, and a white New York City, and he's also, you know, dealing with
1: the Issues in the black community, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's part of where Shaft you know kind of gets its recognition is because you know, at the time, people, especially white viewers, were probably looking for people like them. And to come into Shaft and kind of see it, except now here's a black man who's doing these things, uh, was kind of a good segue because it's not like uh, the spook who sat by the door, which is very much more situated in social commentary, black themes. Um, you know, it that one that's a harder segue for white people who may not have been, um, into the struggle of, uh, you know, black, uh, citizens. This one is a little bit more of an ease into that, that conversation about what black people are going through, because you do have shaft who is for all intents and purposes, a white character turned black. Um,
0: I think I say, I think though you, I mean, which, again, I think they're, like, you know, that's where the split and the difference is. But I think part of the problem is, too, because it become is with that, his kind of characterization overall, is the fact that, you know, the whole idea, like, he, he made it out of the ghetto. He's out. He made it, you know, and he, you know, Shaft helping, you know, Bumpy rescue his daughter. He's not doing it out of benevolence and trying to help the community. He's doing it for fucking money. Mm-hmm you know <laughs> he's not doing it for anything else like so yeah you yeah.
1: know yeah, i mean i i found the film interesting because i i i know that shaft is really well recognized for its um you know it's its black exploitation <laughs> um influence into the genre and you know it's it's uh social commentary at the time however i felt like it was kind of lacking in a social commentary aspect um it it didn't have as much as i was hoping for and you know besides the fact that it does kind of talk about the struggles um that these black people are facing in in harlem it doesn't um have too much commentary that's you know not explicit uh the you know yeah isaac hayes theme is very very explicit in what it sets out in the sound the lyrics i mean it just literally lays it out for you to listen to what what is the struggle And it basically tells you, I don't know that that always, you know, works to the film's advantage because it's very, very on the nose. It's just, you know, it's literally like, hey, uh, the rent's hard and we don't have a lot of money, so you'll do what you have to do to feed your kids and kids need shoes and you know, stuff like that. It literally is, is really on the nose in the soundtrack. And that's the basis for what we get for the, the social commentary. From there, you know it, it is more of a, a specific action movie than it is a, I don't know, a, a commentary about race. Uh, there, there is some, but I, I was I was looking for a little bit more, and I found that Shaft um, was a little bit slow in its pacing. I think that it really gets bogged down, and it's uh, maybe like about. Half an hour of this film is Chef sitting on the couch Holy Yeah, God. that's the problem. You know, because <laughs> um detective work is probably pretty boring, honestly. Tracking down leads, calling people. But you're right. <laughs> oh about half the film is him sitting on the couch or just
0: feet on the feet on you know, the on, yeah and
1: being like, Yeah, hold on. Hold on, baby, I gotta focus on Ran- randomly uh having sex with another woman. Um with groovy with boobs. Groovy boobs, yeah. Uh, or just meeting in a bar and mostly talking to people, you know, it it, it does get bogged down in that for, for a bit. And I don't really feel like the film needs to be an hour and 40 minutes long because I do think it's too long. No. Um, and if they had excised that and maybe been like an hour and 20, I think this could have been a really lean um, film with a lot of action, too, because, you know, without those scenes, it does have some good action mo- moments to it. There's, you know, the shootout in the stairwell. Uh, with machine guns I will, and stuff.
0: I will say when as big and burly and awesome as Richard Roundtree is in this, man, when he's sitting there holding that revolver and firing it, he looks like, he's like, uh. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't have like a power stance. Right? <laughs> no, it is funny when he gets shot though. He's like, God damn
1: <laughs> it. <laughs> like, uh, I was laughing, you know, pretty- because guy 3 he gets you know shot <laughs> he's he's definitely burly but he makes it he's he's better at the intimidation of like his just his physical appearance rather than like actual shooting or anything like that you know it's if they had just stuck with him being a physical uh intimidating figure instead of actually having to do action i think that would have been it worked even better um so with shaft, I think that we get you know we we talked about like the the mafia uh, and the you know the the criminal element in Harlem and how those are merging um, how do you think that the the ending plays out where we get the the rescue of the kidnapped Marcy who's been being held by the mafia, and there's like a few guys that are holding her um and they basically they're holed up in like a hotel room and uh, Shaft and a bunch of his uh, a, a bunch of like Bumpy's uh, help and um, also Ben's help all get together. They kind of like pretend to be hotel waitstaff and then they kind of infiltrate the building. What do, what do you think about that ending?
0: It's not bad. Like I I do like that they kind of to execute this to kind of show complacency. You have one of the mafia guys asking one of them like boy, I want a Coke and coffee, two coffees. And then, you know, to be a good, you know, servant, he's like, would you like like a straw with your Coke? You know, and he's like, yes, bring me a, you know.
1: So, you know, that's kind of a nice setup. It's kind of like the the spook who sat by the the door as well, you know, like the subservience of, of, you know, making yourself not uh, stand out. And, you know, yeah, at the same time, you are literally going undercover to, um, yeah, yeah. For it, yeah. So, I mean, that was, you know, I like that. It was pretty cool. Um,
0: Shaft swinging through the fucking hotel window with a Molotov and yeah. <laughs> just firing away. And then with the music playing, you know what I was thinking of the whole time is one of my favorite scenes, end scenes of all time is, uh, all of the Dead when Ken Forey wakes up and, like, starts crying <laughs> his way out of, like, you know, the end. Because when he, you think he's going like, to kill himself because all hope's lost, and all of a sudden the A-Team theme starts playing and he starts, you know, whooping zombie ass. It's basically what happens here. Like, you know, they play the music and he comes throwing it in, he throws a Molotov and just blows everyone away and takes the girl. You know I thought it was funny. They they, they, <laughs> they, they they sneak out and then he's like,
1: did my yeah. job. <laughs> you know what I found was funny is when they were making that Molotov and he's like, yeah, it's not going to burn by itself. And they're like, what, what do you got? And he gives him gin first. And he's like, this is gin. And then he's like, well, cause if that gin's effeminate, yeah, no, but, why. Because remember, remember when he's
0: at the bar, the, the gay bartender's like, yeah,
1: that's what he's drinking. Right. Yeah. But that's not, that's not even my point. The point is afterwards, he's like, what else you got? And he's like, and oh, I got gasoline. Like, why didn't you, why did you start off with the gasoline? Why? Why? Gin he first? Wrote, like gasoline. It's so, like it gasoline. Guy dying. Like it's like, yeah. <laughs> gasoline <laughs> is the better, the better <laughs> thing, guy. Why don't you start off with that?
0: I feel like the way he's like, this is. He smells it and then he drinks. it. like, this is gin. And he's like, that's not going to work. And he's like, oh. And then he's like, hands it back to him. The other guy starts like fucking it away. He's like. Oh, you know cut the shit we got stuff to do you know
1: yeah you, in this oh, movie man. you don't drink gin you drink whiskey Scott. and you and you smoke cigars uh what was it what is the cigar that they go and get them Ella El, i think Elgar yeah Elvia. so yeah i gotta gotta search those out and these nice dutch master presidentes that's what he gets. and you drink espresso as well apparently what the hell is an espresso with a lemon? I was also a little bit confused with that. He's like bring me an espresso, and she's like, "You don't want anything to eat." Which added, 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 she's weird to begin with. Like, why is this waitress pestering him about just getting an espresso? She's like, "You don't want anything to eat." He's like, "No, get the fuck away. I don't. I just want an espresso. Maybe, maybe they have nice yeah sandwiches. And then she comes back and she's like, "You know what? I'll bring you a lemon peel. I always forget the lemon peel. It's like no one wants a lemon peel with their espresso." Especially if you put like cream or anything in, it. it's gonna curdle. Like, maybe maybe the lemon peel is meant to offset the, the bitterness. Yeah, the yeah, acidity because lemon uh, right. peel acidic.
0: Yeah, no, that totally. We...
1: There was a there was a nineteen seventies espresso thing. Have lemon peel with it. No, I, I didn't understand that. Now, at first, I was thinking. Uh, I...
0: Well, I I put espresso with lemon is the first thing. Espresso Romano is made by combining a shot of espresso with a lemon Mm -hmm. slice and a teaspoon of sugar. The slice can be squeezed or dropped into the coffee and sometimes candied. It's a versatile drink that can be served hot, cold, or iced or Well, you know what, then? Then why the hell would you put milk in it, though? It curdled
1: because of the acidity of the... Well, you know what, then? This film was authentic. It knew what it was talking about. Wow. It says it says this this site says one thing to keep in mind is that lemons go best with plain espresso. Lemons can curdle milk and cream. So if you add a splash of half and half or milk to your morning espresso, you you might want to skip the lemon peel.
0: Yeah, my buddy did that as I said, my buddy did that in college. He made milk, coffee with milk and then he's like, I wonder what it'd be like with lemon juice. And as soon as he put it in there, that thing curled <laughs> over and and like,
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm slightly more impressed yeah. with the writing in this movie, though, that it was authentic to an Italian espresso serving that you would get. Because I did not I, know well, that. Here's the thing. Well, here's the thing, though.
0: Um, we do it better to begin with. Like their pizza is dog shit compared to ours. Like, like you know, they're thin Neapolitan. Go listen. We got Pizza Hut's big New Yorkers back. Okay. You're going to be ordering that soon, I know. Big New Yorker's back. Big
1: beefy pizza. I'll have to try that espresso with lemon peel. Give it a shot.
0: I can kind of I kind of see how it might be a little bit, but, I mean, I... I don't
1: know. I don't know. Citrus is not something I really it's want. It's true. It's not something that I they think of first, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. But I like that. I like that we looked that up, that we found that out about, <laughs> about Shaft, is that it's authentic with the... Uh, Espresso and lemon peel, um, <clears throat> just like just like the turtle. Back to the conclusion. I actually, <laughs> I was watching and I was also working at the same time, and I it happened so abruptly that you know they just storm in, fucking shoot all the mafia mafioso guys, and then they get the girl out, and then he makes the phone call. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Did I miss something? Because it was so abrupt. He literally makes the phone call at the end, and he's like, um. What's that running gag that they have? He's like, uh, oh, why don't you why don't you shut it yourself shitty? Is that that's the yeah. which is not even funny. honestly, it's not even funny. Guys, it's not even funny. <laughs> the writers, not funny. So to use it three times in the movie, a little bit overkill, because it wasn't funny to begin with, it's a it's a bad line. And then to use it two more times ugh, I had a little bit of a oof moment, especially using it at the conclusion but anyway um i was very surprised in that it you know it just kind of ends like that it's just boom we got the girl boom and then th- there's no talk of like retaliation either right like so the mafia is just gonna sit there and take it like no oh, this fucking detective stormed in and took this girl back i guess that's it <laughs> no more retaliation no revenge um they're not going to take it out on Bumpy's guys or anything like that. They're just going to let it go. I don't believe it. The film doesn't even go into that, though. It's just like, Chef's just like, yep, got the girl back, did my job, I'm going home to ha- get laid again. He's he's a, he's a, he's good and bad, but he's shitty after. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's just such an abrupt ending without much, I mean, and to be fair, 70s movies, uh, they had a lot of abrupt endings. It, they just, you know, they didn't have they didn't have an extended ending where you know you think the movie's over, but no, there's thirty more minutes of denouement. Um, but in this case, it is a little bit too abrupt, and uh, I would have liked to have seen like sort of the fallout of what's going to happen because I just can't believe that the mafia are just going to put up with that. Just going to be like, huh? Well, guess we lost. Bumpy,
0: you know what? Well, Bumby's yeah, got it. That's lost. And now, not only like that, like, the cops can keep turning a blind eye to the sack that, like, you know, every time something's blowing up in Harlem, shafts around <laughs> the aftermath. Because yeah. that, that's how this all starts. Like, after he throws the one guy, he fenestrates the one guy, and they're like, we got you for manslaughter. And he's like, Yeah. And then you're he, like, all right, let
1: me talk to him. He we'll just continues out. to kill people around the city. And they're Like ah, we'll let it slide again, John. But next time, next time we're throwing you in the slammer. Um, yeah, the film, it, like again, it's an action movie. It, it you know, it, it definitely suffers from the same things that action all action movies do, which is uh, you can't really take it too realistic. You can't, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But these things happen. Um, but I did wish that there were some. There was an ending to this that just kind of confirmed like, oh, this is why the mafia is backing off or whatever the case may be. Because it's just a little bit too abrupt at the end. And I don't believe that the sequel even goes into any detail about this movie. So it just kind of like goes to the next entry in Shaft's private dick work.
0: (laughs) So what do you think of Isaac Hayes' soundtrack?
1: Well, so like I said, um, I think that sometimes his lyrics are a little on the nose. Uh, the one, one song. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, more like, like the more theme song. I,
0: should...
1: I mean, more in like how it's actually used. throughout. I mean, the process. usage of it is pretty good. I do think that they make good use of it during action sequences. And, you know, obviously the opening theme to Shaft is very iconic and for a good reason, because it did set the tone for a lot of exploitation movies to do the same sort of thing. Where they use the main, ca- yeah, the main the character's name in the soundtrack, kind of telling the story of that that person. Coffee gets that same uh, treatment, and uh, I mean, I think that the, it it works really well. It does make sense why Hi- Isaac Hayes uh, was n- nominated and um, he, it he won, won for the the soundtrack because it is really good and it's got a great funk beat to it and does a good job um
0: i would say not only is it great to listen to but it's the score is properly used it's not overdone it's not overzealous it's the right songs are in the right moments fit the mood don't overstay their welcome or not used too sparsely like, it's not like in Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song where Earth, Wind, and Fire just randomly as Sweet Sweetback's, you know, running for no reason. You're like... <laughs> right, and... Or, you know, or Black Caesar, which, as much as I love Black Caesar, just random James Brown, like... <laughs> the,
1: uh, you're right. In, in a lot of those types of movies, it's just more like a band is playing in the background.
0: yeah. Yeah, it's just like the fill, you know, fill in noise gaps. Not only that, too, the production of this film, this is, this is a film. And I don't mean that, like, in a negative, like, con- like, connotation. But this film's got money, and this film's got Hollywood artistry to it. Like, you know, it doesn't have, like, you know, grindhouse, like, film, like, you know, Uh, The film magic
1: Cheapiness to it
0: Yeah Yeah, Like 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 Sweetback Or You know Black Caesar A lot of others Like this is shot Like a Like you know Like Hollywood sat here Like You know They actually are like Listen we want We don't want this to fuck up No I You know We're trying We're actually trying to make
1: You know Something that's quality It's definitely not as As low budget Or as As a gorilla As some of the other uh, Ones (laughs) i say
0: this. Girl, girl is you know great word to use.
1: To yeah, it. in this case, you know, in a lot of the, the black exploitation elements too, um, it became a lot like grindhouse movies in the fact that the longer you go with the black exploitation subgenre, the cheaper and more um, uh, generic you get with the with the black exploitation films that were made at that time. So you know, obviously with Shaft. One of the big starting points for the black exploitation genre. As you go, they're kind of sort. They're like facsimiles of of Shaft, you know. So you're getting mm-hmm. cheaper, you're getting um, more copycats. So it's kind of how it goes with all those kinds of movies. But I, you can definitely see that happening. Shaft is the kind of a pinnacle, and then from there you get all these movies that are kind of offshoots of that. Um, and uh, you know, it that I think that's just. The nature of the beast when it when you're coming to popularity and you're like wow people really like these uh, these kinds of movies so um, let's continue to make more of them and uh, then you know obviously people don't want to make the same movies all the time but you have people like Fred Williamson who were in lo- he was in lots of black exploitation movies and I I would while he was really good in a lot of his black exploitation movies again he was used so frequently in black exploitation movies that. And at a certain point you started to get like those facsimiles of what shaft was meant to be, you know, shaft's pinnacle. And then you got copycat after copycat after copycat. So, um, so that's pretty much what I got on, on shaft. Uh, anything else that you want to add? Mm-hmm. About it. I think we right covered it. So, um, on a scale of, I didn't actually think of the scale. I think of a scale, on a, well. Of course, the I, obvious. I got, one. I got one. Oh, go ahead. You got one. We'll see. If well, I was. I was going to say. Poticorns. I was going to say. Out of uh, ten groovy boobs. Yeah, there we of go. Course, yep. Of groovy course, boobs. it's like the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest dialogue in this movie. All of a sudden, a gay guy comes out of nowhere, and he's like, "The woman with the boobs he's, 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 he, he's, he's the bartender. He's oh. the bartender." Then, so her friend,
0: she's also got. I've been told nice tits, and she said she wants to sleep with me, but I said no because I'm gay. And she said she straighten me out.
1: It's a, it's a really weird exchange. <laughs> it doesn't uh, necessarily need to be in the movie, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 fun. It's it's a little offensive, but fu-
0: it's a little fun too at the same time because it's that over the top, like you know effeminate uh gay stereotype yep you know i know <laughs> all right so out of the... it kinda look, it kind of looks like a little ren john's accent oh uh, yeah a little bit yeah yeah
1: you know yep so on a scale of a uh, zero to ten groovy boobs, what do you give shaft
0: i will give shaft a seven and a half out of ten um it's close to an eight it's a fun story it's a fun action film. It's not very actiony though. The action that's there is, you know, good and fun. Richard Roundtree is great as a big menacing, burly brick shit house of a man. Uh, it's a fun film whether you like black exploitation or not. Whether you feel like vigilante films, soundtrack's great. It's a well-made film the film has a lot of things going for it i think the parts that weighed it down is as you said the fact that this film's 100 minutes there's no need for us to be an hour and 40 at all there's a lot of places where they could tighten up this storytelling because you got shaft just fucking dithering about you know like the whole bar part where he gets laid by you know someone else like With the the one woman, it's not necessary like at all. It's just there to be like, look at what a man shaft is. Look at him just you know, when he's sexually hungry, he's he's gonna fucking get it. Um, the whole masculinity that the film's trying to portray, and you know, not just masculinity itself, but black masculinity in and of itself of that time is not aged well and is incredibly misogynistic the political statements in the film there are a few there and they have you know okay meanings but for the most part if you're looking for you know deep politics in this film that like you get from a lot of black exploitation it's not going to really be here this is kind of the all in the family of of black exploitation, like it's gonna, it's the fun, most well known romp because it's meant to appeal to fucking mm. everybody, black, white, Asian, don't you know? It's and it does this, so Hollywood definitely got that one right. Um, but it's def, you can definitely see why it's you know considered such an important, groundbreaking film. I just like as fun and interesting that the things that go on in this film, there's flaws within it too. It's definitely an imperfect masterpiece. There's a lot of tedium involved and a lot of nonsense, but a seven and a half.
1: Uh, yeah, I would give this a seven out of 10. Uh, it's definitely not my favorite black exploitation movie. I do think that it has um, some good elements to it. I think it's a, you know, it's a fairly fun movie. It's got good action to it at times. Um, you know, there's, there's, and I would say probably some of the better action in black exploitation movies. A lot of times, um, they suffer from you know cheapness. Uh, and this film does not have that. It does have action moments. It's uh, effective. The final scene is pretty cool. Um, but the problem is that it's it's often bookended by a lot of like nothing. There's you know Shaft just sitting around waiting for a phone call or Shaft calling somebody, uh, meeting with somebody at a bar. It's not that interesting at times. And I think that really bogs the film down. It doesn't need to be an hour and 40 minutes long. That's part of the problem. Now, Richard Roundtree is really good at Shaft. I think he does a a really good job with that. And he is imposing uh, when he needs to be. Um, I think the the problem, though, is just that it needed some editing. And uh, I wish that it had a little bit more social commentary to it. Because I feel like you said... It is made for everybody intentionally. It is um, it, it's less about the black element than it is about making sure that it is appealing to uh, white filmgoers as well. And I think that's, you know, while it is important, it probably ushered in uh, one of the reasons why people wanted to see exploitation movies at the same time. Um, it just didn't go far enough, in my opinion so i understand why it's historical at the same time i I think there are better movies in the blaxploitation um subgenre that do social commentary and action um you know to a better extent than than shaft does but for what it's worth and and what it does and its historical importance you give it a seven out of ten all right so next time for our our next episode uh, i think we're doing scream six is that right I think we're gonna we're gonna try to yeah. get to the theater and see that and do an episode on it. So that will probably be next week, I think, right? Because Scream Six releases um, this weekend, so we'll probably see it sometime this weekend, maybe like maybe like Sunday or something like that when you're not at work and uh, try to get the episode up. Should be fun. I'm I'm hearing some good things about it. I'm excited about it. I think that. Um, Scream Six combines the violence of a, the slasher
0: genre with elements of black comedy and a who it mystery. Well, wow.
1: I mean, isn't that all the screams?
0: Well, that's why we're it.
1: I've heard it takes place on around Halloween, so kind of excited for that. Um, and I, you know, I think that if it can do things right, we'll have a good good movie in our hands. Scream. Or scream five or whatever you want to call it, I thought we thought it was okay, right? But not uh, not amazing. Dewey got fucking lifted up? It got obliterated. The poor guy. I wish he was coming back. Maybe we'll see a flashback. I I still I think I have that meme on my phone of uh,
0: from comparing Dewey's death to the one Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. and the remake, uh, well the reboot, and it's like. The one lady in Texas Chainsaw Mask is getting like lifted up for, like a mile high, and in the movie, and like what you thought when you saw when Dewey got killed, and like what actually happened, he's like just <laughs> off the ground.
1: <laughs> yeah. Still can't believe, can't believe it. I know. I, I'm I, it's, 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 at the same time. I'm still excited for Scream Six. I think you know it could be good. Um I, I have tempered expectations, though, especially after seeing Scream Five, which I thought was just it was just okay, right? Like it wasn't anything to write home about. It's fine. Is yeah, it was... Yeah, it was fine. It was the it was the definition of just fine. So, that'll be our next episode. We'll do that probably next week. So...
0: Uh, it, says, it said written by James Vanderbilt. For a second, I thought it meant, said James oh, Vanderbilt. Oh,
1: yeah. Written by oh. Dawson. <laughs> Which wouldn't put it out of the universe of... No, Scream movies, it would it? It would not. Kevin Williamson, Dawson. Um, And after that, I don't know if we have a specific uh, idea of what, where we're going next, but at least for now, we could say Scream 6 will be our next episode that we cover. So until then, uh, we hope you enjoyed our episode on Shaft. If you want to hear more black exploitation episodes, we have done a couple in the past. Um I was wrong. We did not do coffee. We that was that is not, not one that is not one that we've done. But we have done Spook Spooky we've Sat Got by the Door. Um, we did Black Caesar. Um Did we do any others? I can't remember. I think mean, that's I yeah, I think that's so about it. Uh, you can go back and listen to those episodes. Um we are on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Home Base at anchor.fm. Um, you can subscribe to us on there, leave us a nice review. That always helps us out. We are on Facebook and Twitter. Just find us, search for us on there, Blood and Black Run Podcast. You'll you'll find us, pull us up, give us a like, give us a follow. Oh, we did black Christmas. We did Black Christmas. The classic black exploitation movie. Well, it's got black Yeah, true. Okay, yeah. It has black in the names. Very true. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcasts at gmail.com. Uh, for that matter, we're also a Blaxploitation podcast because we have black in the name. Yes, true. Uh, write to us at our email. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, and what films you want to hear us cover. And we'll keep that in consideration. And uh, you can also donate to us on our Patreon or on our anchor.fm page. Whatever you donate uh, goes back towards beer, so we appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Um, So uh, thanks for listening to the Shaft. And uh, we hope you dig it. And uh, we'll see you back. (laughs) We'll see you back for Scream 6 next week. Until then, take care.